Podcast Network. It's Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. They cheat. They suppress. You can point fingers anywhere. Plenty of blame to go around. Do you know whose fault it really is? The voters. For rolling over to the forces that have corrupted the elections in this country and simply giving up. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Yeah, that's that's what I say, too. I think we're at fault. We're the ones that choose who goes to Washington, D.C. and sits in the White House and sits in the halls of Congress. It's all on us. And I guess now we have formally launched into another election year. Campaign, get-together, debate, whatever you want to call it, last night. We are going to weigh in on that. I have some... um, I have some confession things to tell you about that and my involvement last night in the debates. So, why don't you just sit back and uh, we'll do all this together. Why'd you tell me this? why you look for my reaction? What do you need to know? Don't you know I'll always be simple all we had to be concerned about is who the one we love belongs to you know fighting guys fighting for girls girls fighting for guys those days are way back in our rearview mirrors most of us 
But I don't want to diminish those. All these things, they're important. If they're important to you, that's all that matters. Whatever's important to you is important. So don't let anybody ever cheat you out of um, your feelings. Feelings are real. They're part of our psychological makeup. Everybody has them. And if you try to suppress them or you try to control someone else and the way they feel, that, my friends, is an opening to all-out disaster for all of us. Well, well, well. First debate in the Republican Party for president is in the history books. I am not going to spend a bunch of your time this morning to rehash what many people saw last night. I want to point something out. The guy who is leading the pack, he chose to do a pre-recorded interview. Of course, we're talking about former President Trump with Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News, and Tucker on Twitter. I guess we have to change the name to Tucker on X now. I'm already sick of all of the quote-unquote politically correct media outlets calling it X, formerly known as Twitter. Everybody knows it's Twitter, so I'm just going to say Tucker on Twitter. They did an interview, Tucker and former President Trump, and it was it was really solid, full of facts, new revelations, and I encourage you to go check it out. I think it's about a little under an hour long, and you can get it at Tucker Carlson's uh, uh, just just do a search. If you're not a Twitter guy or girl, just do a search, Tucker Carlson, and that interview will pop up. Just wondering how many people were going to choose to watch that, the interview between uh, Tucker Carlson and the former president, and who was going to watch the debate live from Milwaukee. And there were actually bookies that were booking bets on how many people would do the Tucker on Twitter instead of doing the debates. You know how many people as of earlier this morning, it's higher than what I'm going to tell you the number is by now, but early this morning, 150 million people had looked in on Tucker Carlson's interview with the former president. 150 million. Think about that for a second. Does that number shock you? And more than that, does it mean something significant to you? Before the show is over today, I'm going to give you my synopsis. Well thought out, well thought through, my whole opinion after I was really anxious about Trump not being part of the first debate, I knew, and I think we all knew, what the uh, temperature in the room was going to be if Donald Trump was on the stage. You know, it would have been very, very heightened. He would have been the target of all the attacks. There are plenty of people up there that couldn't and can't stand Donald Trump. And after all, he's the number one guy, and not even close to being not the number one guy in the Republican, uh, every Republican uh, poll that goes out. He's still there. In fact, every time bad news comes out about him, it's just ironic. His support among voters goes up every single time. All four 
of those indictments that have been filed against him by Jack Smith and that uh, that aggressive far left uh, district attorney in uh, Fulton County, Georgia. Every time one of those indictments has been released, Trump's support among voters goes up. Says a lot about our nation, don't you believe? I am going to confess something to you now. I watched last night exactly 90 seconds of the debate live. Now, wait a minute. I'm a guy that I'm speaking right now. By the way, I want to say hello to some folks. Uh, Our friends in Beantown, we've got a nice group of people in the Boston, greater Boston area that are listening and listen every day. I want to say hello and thank you for that. Over in the UK, in London, (laughs) we've got quite a crowd that are listening this morning from London, across France, Italy, and then it gets just crazy going east from there. I spent a significant amount of time several years ago on business in Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. And I met a lot of people. And this is right about the time we were starting TNN Live. And um, we've got a big crowd of people across Malaysia that are listening today. And of course, a really good representation of people from New Zealand and Australia. And then of course, the greater 50 states. All of you, I want to say thank you for being a part of this. And I would encourage you to turn other friends on. Let them know there's an alternate version. It's a truthful version. It's a story told as factual every day. All the things we cover here at TNN Live. Cost you nothing to listen. We never sell anything. Uh, We have a subscription. And for those of you that are new or don't understand what it is, We don't sell anything. We don't monetize this at all. We do this because we love you and we want to be able to keep you informed and give you facts that you can go and verify on your own. But when you subscribe on the front page of truthnewsnet.org, all that happens is you give us your name and you can just give us a name. Make one up. It doesn't matter. And an email address. We never sell your email. We never email you anything except this. Anytime a new story goes up on the website, at 1.45 the next morning, early, early, you'll get an email that contains a link to that brand new story so that you can you can go right to the story. You don't have to go to the homepage and then start looking. That's the only reason we have subscriptions. So I encourage you just to make it a little bit easier on yourself. Again, we don't get anything out of it except the pleasure of knowing you are reading our stories and watching our show. I'm asked quite often, where can I get your show, TNN Live? How do I get it? Well, if you're listening right now, you're listening live, you know the way to get it. And it's real simple. You can, again, go to the homepage of the website, truthnewsnet.org, and in the top right-hand corner, There's a little bar that uh, you can click on to listen live. When you do that, it puts the address of the player of this show, the live player, it puts it in your search bar. Copy and paste that somewhere so that anytime you're anywhere and you want to listen live, you can pull that up on your phone, your laptop, 
your iPad, whatever you have, wherever you are, and you can listen live if you want to. If you miss a show or you just can't, you got work things going on, you're busy at home, any of those kind of things, all the big podcast sites, they pick up our show within 30 minutes after it finishing at 11 a.m. Central every Monday through Friday. And that's Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm going blank. Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Facebook, all of the places that do podcasts. I think there are 37 different sites. And if you're trying to find our show, it's TNN Live. Put an exclamation point after live and put that in the search bar, click on it, it'll take you to the homepage. Every show we've ever done, there's an index there. The most recent show is the first one right below the opening. And then you can scroll down and pick up all the way back three years if you want to. And a bunch of people, we kind of shocked you. We didn't find out Congressman Mike Johnson was going to be live with us yesterday until late the night before. So we didn't get to tell you on the show two days ago. But Congressman Mike Johnson joined us for about a half hour at the very top of the show yesterday. So you missed the show? Grab the podcast. Just go and you'll see in the title for yesterday, it includes conversation with Congressman Mike Johnson. So we got all those things out of the way. And I'm I'm going to just kind of do some summary stuff. The important highlights from last night, you're going to hear some of them here but it's little snippets. Uh, I I didn't watch it last night because I knew I'd get the substance. And I'm not interested. I don't get into the pontification, the personality things. I can't stand it when people put other people down. Instead of just getting up there and giving us facts and telling us how you feel about things and if you were elected, what you would do and let that sink in, and from those things, we can make our choices. You feel like you've got to pontificate and just tell everybody how stupid the other people are and how smart you are. I don't need that. That doesn't resonate with me. It never has. And that doesn't mean I'm some big intellectual. It means that I just grew through that, I guess. I guess when I became uh, a young adult after I got through teenager land, impressing other people to try to make me look better than other people. That just, it hadn't resonated with me in a long time. So we had eight candidates hit the stage last night, and that happened up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The debate moderated by Fox News' Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Let me, let me just say this. Brett's a good news, a news guy. Martha McCallum, in my estimation, is one of the best spokespeople regarding news and things like this debate moderation that there is. I have a tremendous respect for Martha McCallum. So the topics, of course, they focused on the economy, climate change, abortion, COVID-19 lockdowns, gun control, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Ukraine funding, China, the southern border education, presidential age, and even UFO encounters. (laughs) Of course, Trump wasn't there. But 150 million of us looked in and saw Donald Trump on Tucker on Twitter. 
150 million as of this morning had seen that interview. So, of course, the new guy on the block, the loudest guy on the block, Vivek Ramaswamy, everybody had him. Everybody on stage had him in their bullseye. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and former Vice President Mike Pence, they were more prominent on the debate stage than was expected. I actually didn't think either one of them would have a whole lot to say. And they traded blows with Ramaswamy on his Ukraine funding stance. They even got on his age. Chris Christie, I don't know how to phrase what I'm about to say because I'll offend some of you, I'm sure. I can't stand him. I cannot stand him. I'll never forget when he was in trouble as New Jersey governor and he considered himself to be in, according to Donald Trump, he was a good friend of former President Trump. It was like if Donald Trump broke wind, Chris Christie would say, excuse me. He's one of those kind of people, I called them hangers-on. You know, they didn't have a lot of substance. They don't, but they like to be around people that are pretty well-known and well-thought-of and just be considered part of that group or crowd. You probably get what I'm saying when, with that explanation. Anyway, Chris Christie, he um, he got into it with Ramaswamy. He got into it with everybody, uh, Nikki Haley and everybody else up there. He battled for the spotlight. He criticized Trump for having conduct which Christie described as, quote, beneath the office of president of the United States. And who else knows better how you got to act if you're the president of the United States than Chris Christie. Multiple times, candidates talked over each other to attack or issue rebuttals. And, of course, the moderators, <laughs> Brett Bear and Martha, they begged for order all night long. Carlson aired that interview that he conducted with Trump during the debate last night. And Carlson and Trump discussed the 2020 election. Jeffrey Epstein, President Biden's stance on China and Russia. That's kind of an interesting way to go with, uh, well, a debate, full-blown debates going on on another television network. Kind of a neat thing to do, and 150 million people thought so too, by the way. I can say this. This is the former president talking. I can say this. There's a level of passion that I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen. And it's probably a bad combination. We're doing this interview, but we'll get bigger ratings using this crazy forum than you're using than probably even the debate. Trump claimed in that interview with Tucker that his political opponents are going to attempt to steal the 2024 election if he wins. They'll try it. They're going to try it. The former president responded. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he was up there. He was the candidate largely polling in second place behind Trump. And he chose to be a little more timid, but he did attack. He just kind of toned it down a bit. He said he would support the former president if he was convicted, but he appeared to make his decision only after watching if other candidates raised their hands in agreement. Brett Baird, right at the beginning of it, he said 
if Donald Trump is convicted, how many of you would issue him a pardon? Raise your hand. Now, there were eight people up there on the stand, and it was odd. I wanted to see who wasn't going to raise their hand. Of course, Chris Christie, he didn't just not raise his hand. He was shaking his hand like, oh, no way, no way. Most of the rest of them raised their hands, which I thought was interesting. DeSantis also took a shot at the former president over his COVID-19 policies and not firing COVID-19 czar Anthony Fauci. Here's something that these, all of these candidates and anybody that runs against Donald Trump, I don't care what office in the future Trump is running for, everybody that runs against him, you are going to fall flat on your face unless you do this one thing. Don't try to diminish any of the hard factual results he brought to the American people over his four years as president. Why would I say that? Look at what's happening to those around him who attack him. The American people are not stupid. We all live through Donald Trump. We all live through eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. We're not stupid. We know how presidents in our rearview mirror and the current one are doing their job related to us, related to the law, related to the things that they committed to do. And nobody, nobody in my history, I'm 70 years old, no president in my history has ever even come close to the accomplishments of Donald Trump in his four-year term. Not even close. And the American people get that. What they get is he didn't get everything done that he told us he wanted to do if we elected him. Why? Because it took Congress. He couldn't do legally a bunch of what he wanted. And those are the only things that he didn't get done that he told us he would do. Ramaswamy. He's an enigma to me. Yeah, he's young. He's 38 years old, the youngest person I know of that has ever run for president. And he's a multimillionaire. Word has it that he's close to being officially a billionaire. Self-made guy. His parents immigrated here. He's a Buddhist. That doesn't help him, but he kind of went out on a limb that I don't think he needed to go out on. And I'm getting all of this after the fact. I spent hours after the fact, going back, looking at snippets, listening, reading. I think he shot himself in the foot regarding a couple of things, Ukraine, aid to Ukraine, and the big one to me was Israel. Now, he's a Buddhist. But it is not smart for anybody running for national office in the United States of America to attack in any way or even seem to be attacking Israel. That, I, you know, I've had my doubts about him because of his religious belief and his faith. But he set himself up there to needlessly put him in a bad spot with a whole lot of people he didn't need to be in a bad spot. 
He's 38, the youngest candidate in the race. He stretched the need for a different generation in the Oval Office. He's rising in the polls, too. He vowed to only invoke war, quote, on the federal administrative state. Hmm, that's interesting. No war, no real war against anybody if he was elected, he said. And he said he wouldn't increase funding to Ukraine for the country's war against Russia. He said the climate change agenda is a hoax. And I agree. Not that the climate doesn't change from day to day, month to month, year to year. It does. But where I agree with Ramaswamy is you and I can't impact it. We can't. We're not talking about pollution. We're talking about physically, actually changing our climate. Chris Christie pointed to his experience and he launched multiple attacks at Ramaswamy. He called him an amateur and saying he sounds like chat GPT. In other words, what Christie's saying, hey, you're tall and slender. You work out. You're healthy. You speak well. Me, I'm short, fat. I'm loud. I can't speak well. And I don't like the fact that you can speak clearly and sound like chat GPT. <laughs> the former governor who has championed himself as being the loudest voice against Trump, seemingly couldn't decide if he would support the former president if he were convicted. He also said he would send illegal immigrants back and that the president should be able to level with the American people about everything, even on issues like UFOs. Now, here's a name that I thought would figure greatly in the debate. And again, I didn't watch but just 90 seconds of the debate live. Tim Scott, South Carolina senator. When he got a word in every now and then, he mentioned his background of coming from a single-parent household, painted himself as the even-keeled candidate, With I, I totally agree with that. He added that being childish isn't helpful in deciding the next presidential nominee. He was the first candidate to say the U.S. needs to bring our jobs home from China and said the president should prevent states like New Jersey from having abortions on demand until the day of birth. And then there's Nikki Haley, the only woman on the debate stage. She towed the line between Democrat and Republican policies. On the economy, she said both parties have spent too much money. It's time for an accountant in the White House, she said. Abortion? She got herself, I think, in a little fix here. She argued that both parties need to find consensus and Republicans need to be honest about what term limits they can place given their voter makeup in the Senate. And then there's Mike Pence, former governor, former member of the House of Representatives, former Vice President Mike Pence. He said he's the best prepared and the most tested conservative in the race. Seemingly took repeated shots at Ramaswamy saying, we don't need to bring in a rookie. He also got into it with Haley on her abortion policies, contending that consensus is the opposite of leadership. And he sparred with Ramaswamy on his refusal to increase funding for Ukraine. And then 
the new guy. I actually, I've got to be honest with you. Until last night, I didn't say his name correctly. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. He focused his background of coming from a small town, said Americans need somebody in the White House that understands small town values. On top of that, he stressed the need for federalism on abortion and leaving up the choice to the states because feds are stepping into people's lives. I thought the U.S. Supreme Court already did that, took it away from the federal bureaucracy in D.C. and gave it back. State by state now has the authority to either have abortion or set rules on any parts of the entire process. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Burgum opened his remarks by mentioning he almost didn't make it to the debate stage. You probably heard about this. He ended up in the hospital after injuring himself in a pickup basketball game. Asa Hutchinson, to me, he is the guy who has no business running for president. He's a very nice Southern gentleman. I never met the man. I know people that work for him and campaign for him. In fact, his former campaign manager is a friend of mine when he was running for governor in Arkansas. He said he wouldn't support Trump if he were convicted. He argued that the former president undermined the justice system. On abortion, he said he was a pro-life governor and that it would certainly be fine for it to be addressed at the national level as well. And so there you go. That's a summation. We'll get into a few little bits and pieces, but just so you don't forget it, mark this on your calendar. Second debate comes up September 27th, and it's going to be out in California. Now, I told you I'm going to give you some little bits and pieces of these people getting after each other. The first one, Vivek Ramaswamy and Chubby, New York governor, former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. We are going to take a brief moment and talk about the elephant not in the room. Former President Trump has been indicted in four different states on 91 counts. He will be processed tomorrow in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail for charges relating to the 2020 election loss. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Just, hold on. So just be clear, Governor Christie, you were kind of late to the game there, but no, you raised I, your hand? No, I'm doing this. Look, <laughs> look, I'm doing this. And I this. know you didn't. Whoa, whoa. No. Come, what's the no, look, what, what, look here's, the, here's the bottom line. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay? Now, and now whether or not, whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong. The conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, 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 you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. 
It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you raised your hand supporting... No, I'd like to get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie... Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. 30 seconds, Governor DeSantis. No, no, I'm sorry. 30 seconds, Governor You make me laugh because you you sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer right You sit here and answer. Go ahead, Governor Christie. Hold on, Governor Christie. Hold on. Well, so listen, the more time we spend doing this, the less time they can talk about issues you want to talk about. So let's just get through this section. Governor Christie. You, You sit here talking about how you want to stand up for the rule of law. Yes. And law and order. And the fact is that it can't be selective. In your book, you had much different things to say about Donald Trump than you're saying here tonight. That's and, not true. Well, it is very true. That is not it's true. It's very true. I read it. Because and I know. there's a difference between look, bad not, behavior and illegal behavior, way, Chris. And you as a prosecutor way, should know, you know better. Yeah, I, you know what? I know a lot there's better. There's a difference between I bad know, behavior. And I know a lot better than you do. You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. And here's the thing. We stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not going to bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. He said, he said, he said, he said, Martha, it's important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution, regardless of the political pressure. So you heard the vitriol and the venom in that little segment there. (laughs) Just imagine how much more there was all night long. So let's just do a quick across the look and see how some of the mainstream media outlets determine who were the winners and the losers. First of all, let's go to The Hill. The Hill. You ever look at their stuff? I do every once in a while just to get a comparison. I don't like their website or their news. I'm just saying. So for winners, they said, former Vice President Pence. Here's what they backed that statement up with. Pence had struggled to qualify for the debate taking a conspicuously long time to get over the required threshold of donors. But he was a surprise winner Wednesday night. Now, this is The Hill saying this. A number of forceful interventions. He also got an unexpected assist in the shape of a question to all the candidates about his actions on January 6th. 
Several rivals paid tribute, albeit with varying degrees of enthusiasm, to Pence's actions certifying the result of the 2020 election and withstanding Trump's pressure to overturn it. At other moments, Pence's fireness, especially when directed at Vivek Ramaswamy, was the most startling element of the night. Early on, Pence took a clear swipe at the 38-year-old Ramaswamy, saying, now is the time for... Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. Pence was also effective in reminding anti-abortion voters of his long record on that topic, quoting biblical scripture to back up his position. Pence faces enormous challenges in the primary, not least unfavorable numbers with Republican voters that are higher than almost any other candidate. But Wednesday was the best night of his campaign to date. And then they say, The Hill says, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was a winner. Christie got in the cleanest shot of the night soon after Ramaswamy boasted that he was the only candidate on the stage not bought and paid for. An exasperated Christie jabbed back, I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like chat GPT. (laughs) With that line, Christie may have found the weak spot in Ramaswamy's armor just as he did when he attacked Florida Senator Marco Rubio in a similar debate about eight years ago. Christie also emphasized his differences with Trump. Of course, he is the most aggressively anti-Trump candidate in the race, a fact which by itself almost certainly dooms him to defeat. Speaking of those multiple indictments of Trump, Christie said that whether people believe the former president's actions were criminal or not, quote, someone has got to stop normalizing this conduct, okay? A huge swath of the GOP base will hate what Christie had to say, but in terms of debating skill, his was probably the most impressive performance on the stage. Now, this analysis that I'm giving to you is from The Hill. Now remember, this debate was carried solely by Fox News. Fox News, The Hill, those are bitter enemies in the media world. So, you know, you've got you to factor all those things in when you try to create the balance for what anybody's saying in their published analysis of the debate. The Hill also felt like former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley was a winner. Perceptions of debates can often be determined by memorable moments, they said. By that standard, Haley had a good night. She staked out different ground than her rivals on abortion, expressing skepticism about any federal ban at an early stage of pregnancy and about the role of the Supreme Court justices in deciding something this personal. She starkly branded Trump the most disliked politician in America to make the argument that the GOP cannot win with him as its standard bearer. But her single biggest moment came in a blast at Ramaswamy over the entrepreneur's deep skepticism about funding for Ukraine. Referring to Russian President Vladimir Putin, she told Ramaswamy, This guy is a murderer, talking about Putin. And you're choosing a murderer over a pro-American country. When Ramasamy tried to defend himself, Haley poured more pressure on, 
You have no foreign policy experience, and it shows, she told him. According to The Hill, losers, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He arrived in Milwaukee needing a big debate night, and he didn't get it, The Hill said. And it wasn't that the Florida governor made any big gaffes, but he didn't have any great moments either. And more importantly, he didn't impose himself on the debate at any point. For long stretches, it seemed DeSantis faded into the background of the debate. That's a big problem, since his whole campaign is predicated on being the sole alternative to Trump. And they, they have labeled Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina as a loser. The Republican field already has an identifiable second tie behind Trump, DeSantis, and the rising Ramaswamy. It's comprised of Pence, Haley, and Scott. Scott had the least impressive night of the trio. South Carolina senator is well-liked by many Republicans, but his low-key affability isn't ideal for contentious debate nights. Scott tried to stay above the fray at one point, intervening in a Christy Ramaswamy verbal tussle to insist going back and forth being childish is not helpful to the American people. But for the most part, Scott simply lacked impact. He was also eclipsed by Haley, who is dangerous for him, given their similarities, including a shared electorally crucial home state, There likely isn't enough room for both candidates to thrive in the long run. So, just some opinions there. And I know you like to get those. We all do. How does everybody else feel about it? And of course, since I didn't, I purposely didn't watch it live, I'm like you. I'm sitting back listening to this, reading this, and saying, hmm, I'm getting a little clearer picture. But just remember this, we got a long way until election time. There are a lot of things that are going to happen between today, August 24th, 2023, and election day in November 2024. They're just getting started. I don't even know how much, if any, of the future debates I'm going to watch. What about you? Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu.
Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. So why don't we go, let's look at the other big media event that happened last night. Get some details for you. Trump's Tucker Carlson interview. It's now in people looking in and reading it at uh, the former Twitter has over 151 million views. And that uh, just soundly defeats the Republican debate. And former President Trump calls his sit-down with Tucker a blockbuster hit during which he talked about the threat of U.S. civil war and savage animals trying to kill him. Trump saying they're trying to kill him. He sought to muddy both Republican and Democratic fields in his interview with Tucker. He calls the interview a blockbuster success that could hit $200 And he's pretty right about that. It looks like it will. Ramaswamy beats DeSantis for best performance, and he tops Donald Trump as the poll winner in the Republican debate. Well, of course, Trump wasn't there. So there's a lot of stuff that came out. That was 45 minutes. It was a sit-down on X, formerly known as Twitter. And it, it came on just minutes before that live debate started up in Milwaukee. The viewing numbers, almost certain to eclipse the number of us who tuned into Fox to watch Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, and the rest of the GOP field go to war to try and close the gap with the front runner. Millions of views also counted ex-users who scrolled past the video and didn't tune in for the entire thing. you got to remember that. Former president praised the success of the interview in a post to Truth Social early this morning, saying the Tucker Carlson interview with me was a blockbuster, could hit 200 million views and more. Thank you. I hope it was enjoyed by everyone. Trump called his critics savages spoke openly about the potential death of 80-year-old President Biden and riffed about low-flow shower heads and electric cars. He said he didn't attend the debate because he's leading by 50 to 60 points in the polls, didn't want to be harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president. Carlson asked Trump if he thought the U.S. was heading toward a civil war if his enemies were trying to kill him, and if he believed Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. Kind of a potpourri of back and forth between Tucker and Trump. Now, Trump didn't answer Tucker directly on that, instead pivoted to a defense of the crowd he addressed on the ellipse near the White House, January 6th, the day of controversy. There's tremendous passion. There's tremendous love. You know, January 6th was a very interesting day because... They don't report it properly. I believe it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. 
And you know, some of the crowds I've spoken before, I think the biggest I've ever spoken to before was on January 6th. Then he made reference to his own comments on Twitter later that day as a mob stormed the Capitol. And people that were in that crowd, a very, very small group of people, and we said patriotically and peacefully, peacefully and patriotically, right? Nobody ever says that. Go peacefully and patriotically. But people that were in that crowd that day, a very small group, went down there to the Capitol And you know, there are a lot of scenarios that we can talk about. But people in that crowd said it was the most beautiful day they've ever experienced. Associated Press estimated the rally size to be 10,000 people. You got that? You hear that? Associated Press estimated the rally size to be 10,000 people. It was way bigger than that. And I'm referencing our investigative journalist that you hear every Tuesday right here on TNN Live, Steve Baker, who was there all day long. Pressed if there was a possibility of open conflict, Trump responded, there's a level of passion I've never seen. There's a level of hatred that I've never seen. That's probably a bad combination. He called some of his critics savages. And he claimed his Democrat opponents will try and steal the election again. Are you worried that they are going to try to kill you, Carlson asked him? Why wouldn't they try and kill you, honestly? So Trump took it as an invitation to go after his rivals. In comments that aired hours before his plans to fly to Fulton County, Georgia, to have his mugshot taken following his indictment on racketeering conspiracy charges. They're savage animals, he said. They're people that are sick, really sick. And that kicked off a long answer where Trump invade against Russia, 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 and went after a string of rivals, including former FBI Director James Comey, who he fired in 2017 in an episode examined in the Mueller report. But these people are sick, he said. These people that I think they hate our country, you want to know the truth, Trump said. He claimed his critics would try to steal the election, not only me, on a night all but two of the GOP candidates on stage said they would support Trump even if he is convicted in court. But if somebody else got in other than me, they'll go at him just as viciously. And he predicted to Tucker It will not be Ron DeSantis. Trump mocked as DeSanctus, calling him out as well as gonzo and gone. I do get credit for holding up quite well, I must tell you, Trump said. How do you do that? Carlson asked. How do you get indicted, you know, every week and stay cheerful? I wondered that myself about him. Trump called Biden the worst president in the history of our country, then said he might not make it to to November 2024. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate. But you know, you never know Trump, who is 77, said of Biden, who is 80. Then he planned how he took the corrupt moniker from Hillary Clinton and used it on Biden. I don't do two people at one time, he said. And that prompted Trump to predict a free-for-all among Democrats while saying Vice President Kamala Harris wouldn't be guaranteed her party's nomination. A lot of people say she has to remain for certain reasons. The candidate, she has to, Trump said. 
I don't think that's true, Trump told Carlson without explaining what reasons he was referring to. And so the pair went on and on and on. And a lot of people were stunned that there weren't direct ties in conversation in Q&A between Tucker and Trump regarding the field of candidates who are technically running against former President Trump. I'm of this thinking now. Again, I'm 70 years old. I have been a political sycophant my entire life since I became aware of politics. I just, it's not that I like it. I think it's so important and getting facts and understanding who's doing what, who's saying what, and where the facts line up with those people and the things they said. I think those are critical to the American people. And I wanted to always be in the know about everything, good, bad, or ugly, about anybody and everybody. I think more people this election cycle are beginning to think like me, at least in this one area. And it's not what I just told you about my reason for following politics so closely in my life. It's about this. We're worn out. We are worn out by the angst, the hatred, the anger, the lying, the cheating, the misrepresentation, not enforcing those people in the government already, not enforcing any of the laws. The ones, the only ones they choose to enforce are the ones that are good for them and their campaign supporters and even their family members, a.k.a. Joe Biden. We're tired of it all, and we don't need to hear these candidates get up in front of us and tell us that what we see and hear and from that determine for ourselves who's doing the right thing and who's not. We don't want to hear them tell us anything about our opinions. You know why? Because what they would say to us is nothing more than their opinions, and their opinions aren't any better than mine or yours. And now, for me, politics has become the necessary evil. I just can't handle, or let me rephrase that. I don't want to handle dealing with this mess when all it is is, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? There's no maturity. There's no substance. There's no or very little truth, if there is any truth at all. And everybody knows it. And yet here we are, weighing in, listening to, you're listening to me, we're together drawing analysis from what was said on that debate stage last night, trying to line it up to next to what was actually being done in the past by these people that are wanting to be the next inhabitant of the White House. You like the term necessary evil? (laughs) I think that that kind of does. I think it kind of plays in. One of the worst things this morning 
early when I was going through and listening to the uh, the key sound bites from the debate last night. I hate to even say this, but it was Chris Christie. And I know you know this already, but I really don't like Chris Christie. Wait, hold no. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Same, the same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just like you did to Obama, too. Give me that the same type of amateur. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, Brad, Governor Haley, would you like to respond? Deserves Are you so bought Brad, and paid what for? what I would like to say is the fact that I think this is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. First of all, we do care about clean air, clean water. We want to see that taken care of, but there's a right way to do it. And the right right way to do it is, first of all, yes, is climate change real? Yes, it is. But if you want to go and really change the environment, then we need to start telling China and India that they have to lower their emissions. That's where our problem is. And these green subsidies that Biden has put in All he's done is help China because he doesn't understand all these electric vehicles that he's done. What that does, half of the batteries for electric vehicles are made in China. And so that's not helping the environment. You're putting money in China's pocket. And Biden did that. So, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge the truth, which is these subsidies are not working. We also need to take on the international world and say, okay, India and China, you've got to stop polluting. And that's when we'll start to deal with Senator Scott, are you bought and paid for? Absolutely. Are you bought and paid for? I'm sorry. Are you bought and paid for? Absolutely not. I mean, here's what the American people deserve is a debate about the issues that affect their lives. Going back and forth, being childish is not helpful to the American people to decide on the next leader of our country. Number one, wait a second. Number two, as a kid who grew up in a single parent household mired in poverty, I wondered, was the American dream real for kids who are devastated by poverty, devastated by the challenges of life? I came to the conclusion that America can do for anyone what she's done for me if we focus on restoring hope, creating opportunities, and protecting America. If we want the environment to be better, and we all do, the best thing to do is to bring our jobs home from China. If we create... 10 million new jobs in my Made in America plan, we will have a better economy and a better environment. Let me tell you why I say that, Brett. America, Do it quickly. America has cut. <laughs> I'm a Southern boy, I talk slow. So America, America, <laughs> another one. that was quick. America <laughs> has cut our carbon footprint in half in the last 25 years. The places where they are continuing to increase, Africa, 950 million people. India, over a billion. China, over a billion. Why would we put ourselves at a disadvantage, devastating our own economy? Let's bring our jobs home. Now, why can't they do a debate and just say those things that you just heard Tim say? Just say it instead of having to wrap it in all the rancor and the anger and the putting of each other down. One guy 
a media guy, as a matter of fact. You've probably never heard his name. John Keller. John Keller, after the debates last night, he went on the local television station. I'm not even sure which station and which major market he was on. But he wrapped it up. He wrapped up the debate. And he did it in one minute. I couldn't pass on it. Here's John Keller giving us one minute of wisdom before we shut down our conversation about the debate last night. Again, John Keller. What a shame that former President Trump chose to skip this debate. It would have been fascinating to watch him deal with all the criticism heaped on his administration, even from the majority of candidates who said they'd support him even if he's convicted of crimes. But Trump probably made the right call to ghost the event. That left the spotlight on the glaring weaknesses of his competitors, most notably Ron DeSantis, who robotically shouted out his talking points on a night when multiple candidates were shouting much of the time. By contrast, newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy dominated the debate at times with his far right wing attacks on the party establishment. His red meat was redder than Ron's. Chris Christie was aggressive and was aggressively booed for his trouble. Mike Pence played up his resume effectively. I'd be surprised if the rest managed to move their numbers. It's going to be tough for any one of them to leave the pack behind. And that leaves the man who wasn't there as the evening's biggest winner. John Keller at large, WBZ News. WBZ News. The big winner? It was Donald Trump, and he wasn't even there. (laughs) Oh, my God. And people thought Trump didn't know what he was doing. He was going to mess up. He was going to be sad that he wasn't there. (laughs) And a left-wing media, a regular television station news expert, he analyzed the whole thing and said Trump was the big winner. I told you. We're done with the debate today, unless something big and new comes up in the next hour. Yep, we're an hour into the show today. (laughs) I know you probably know this, but there's other stuff going on. Something just happened moments ago while we were talking, and this one's kind of got me miffed. The House Judiciary Committee, they just announced this morning, an investigation into Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. Now, she's the one that indicted the fourth indictment of former President Donald Trump. And they're looking into her conduct related to that indictment. Now, this all happened August 14th, just a week ago. And she indicted Trump for allegedly violating the Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. That's RICO for short. Several counts of conspiracy, making false statements, and more when allegedly interfering in the state's election. Remember, this is a state thing. This is not, and she is not a federal attorney. The Republican-controlled committee, the House Judiciary Committee, is probing Willis over whether she coordinated with the DOJ when charging Trump. Now, that's a little bit different. It wouldn't surprise me, but it is different. 
The letter from House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan to her questioned whether Willis's indictment against Trump was politically motivated. Uh, yeah, I guarantee it is. He referenced several instances that led up to the indictment. For instance, the letter talks about a new campaign website that was launched just days before the charges were brought where Willis touted her investigation into the former president. Timing's kind of suspicious, don't you think? Additionally, the letter references a grand juror who made media appearances bragging about the then-potential charges as well as the Fulton County Clerk's Office posting a document that contained the charges nearly identical to those in the indictment, which was issued hours later. In other words, the grand jury hadn't even voted, and somebody in her office posted a document showing what the charges were supposedly going to be. Now, how would they know that if the jurors hadn't voted yet? This probe into Fannie, it comes after special counsel Jack Smith indicted Trump in two other cases, one of which follows a similar line of questioning than that of the Georgia case, alleged election interference in 2020. Committee's investigation comes the day that Trump is set to turn himself in at the Fulton County Jail today. News outlets have reported that your office and Mr. Smith interviewed many of the same witnesses, reviewed much of the same evidence in reaching your decision to indict President Trump. Jordan's letter to Fannie Willis reads, The House Committee on the Judiciary thus may investigate whether federal law enforcement agencies or officials were involved in your investigation or indictment. The letter asked her for documents related to Fulton County's communications with federal prosecutors, Department of Justice officials, and even executive branch personnel. Georgia Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she argues state Republicans could additionally launch an investigation of their own into Willis's conduct. Green is also pushing for the Congressional Committee to probe the district attorney herself. I'm going to be talking to Jim Jordan, House Oversight Chair Jamie Comer, and I'd like to also ask Speaker Kevin McCarthy his thoughts on looking at doing an investigation if there is a collaboration or conspiracy of any kind between the DOJ and Jack Smith's special counsel office with the state district attorneys. So I think that could be a place of oversight. This indictment leak drew mass criticism across the internet. Willis later dodged a question claiming she's not an expert on clerk's duties. So there were 18 other people along with Trump who were indicted over their alleged attempts to overturn the election. Those include attorney Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, as well as former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And Willis, for some reason, she has declined to meet or talk with anybody in the press since all of this started getting dicey, the information coming out after the fact. I wonder how much 
we're going to hear that is true. And if we'll hear it all, we're going to find out what's really going on there. In fact, of the four indictments, I promise you, these indictments that contain multiple charges, close to 100 charges against former President Trump, when all the dust settles, it'll come down to probably three or four charges that will have any probability at all, if there is any probability, to be used to really get the former president for criminal action. So a lot of people are wondering this morning, what did Joe have to say about the first Republican debate? It's probably uh, it's probably way after Joe's bedtime. He'd already had a sippy cup and had his uh, stuffed giraffe and was in bed. I'm speculating, of course. So after the debate, Joe Biden took to social media to share his reactions. And if you believe he personally took to social media to share any reaction, you're smoking some foo-foo stuff. Somebody did it for him. Maybe Jill, maybe somebody else, I don't know. He responded to Republican candidates who indicated they would still support Trump as the party's nominee, even if he's convicted. Here's what he wrote. A bunch of Republicans on stage, one united MAGA ideology. He wrote that on social media platform X, of course, Twitter. Eight candidates who qualified for the first debate, Governor Doug Burgum, North Dakota, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, former VP Mike Pence, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Now, Trump, he finalized the fact on Sunday that he wasn't going to participate in the debate. But Trump's got a big afternoon coming up in Fulton County. That's Atlanta, Georgia. And they tell us, the Sheriff's Department down there, he's going he's gonna to do a perp walk. And he's going to have the picture taken, the mug shot. If that happens, I can promise you this. It will be the most duplicated and issued mug shot of any alleged criminal that has ever happened in history. It will be all over the world. A lot of people would, uh, if they were facing something like that, a lot of people would be, oh my God, I don't want to be exposed like that. If it does happen, Donald Trump will turn it into something positive for him. And that's not always a bad thing. You know, people around us that they refuse to let the circumstances, the bad circumstances they face in their lives when they refuse to let those control their lives, but they just try to make something better or something good out of everything, they live typically a much longer life than those who are OMG all the time. I can't believe that happened. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You look at Trump, look at his age, and then look at Biden, look at the differences in age And then look at the differences in their lives, their activities, the way they talk, the things they say, 
their cognitive ability, their physical abilities. There's no comparison. So you want to switch gears for a bit? You're going to love this. Did you know that you and I are headed for COVID-19 lockdowns version 2.0? And it includes mask, social distancing, and a whole bunch more added in this time. Those are all creeping back into our lives. We told you at TNN Live when we were facing the realistic end to our COVID-19 pandemic and our emergency, all that kind of stuff, we told you. That's just part one. It will come back. Little more than a year until the elections. Wow. And here we are. We're already talking about COVID-19 stuff. So what are we saying about it? This week, Morris Brown College, they announced on Instagram that effective immediately, several COVID-19 protocols, including a campus-wide mask mandate, had been enacted for at least 14 days, despite there have been no confirmed COVID-19 cases on campus. The measure, they say, is instead, quote, due to reports of positive cases among students at other Atlanta area schools. CNN reported that at least one expert has said the protocols may be needed soon for people who have diabetes, cancer, chronic liver, kidney, or lung disease, organ or stem cell transplants, HIV, or other immunocompromising conditions, a history of heart disease or stroke, dementia, or mental health issues. In other words, if you got anything, you got a ingrown toenail, you may need to mask up. So here are the protocols. They're telling us all this stuff. Social distancing, bans on large gatherings, isolation and quarantines in accordance with CDC guidelines, contact tracing, symptom monitoring, regular hand washing, sanitation. Morris Brown is one of a few entities who have quietly reintroduced the controversial measures, which have been challenged by some medical experts, most real medical experts. They say they're all, they were, and they are, if they're reused now, poppycock. There's no factual, scientific basis for any of this crap. One January 2023 study by the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews observed a lack of effect of mask wearing in interrupting the spread of influenza-like illness or influenza slash COVID-19. If you want to get some facts, I'm not even, I don't even know which month or which day it was. We republished here at truthnewsnet.org a story that contained the actual accounts of full laboratory, professional laboratory testing done by multiple different testing agencies, 37 different of these reports. Every one of them said there's no mask on the marketplace at all right now. 
that will stop the transmission of COVID-19 particles. And we got those laboratory reports. Guess where we got them? We just downloaded them from the CDC website. They knew it all along when they were telling us, mask up or die. They were going against their own stuff that had been put on their website. Those laboratory tests been collected and put on their own website. After reporting small increases in COVID-19 indicators over the past month, indicating increased transmission, Lionsgate, the Hollywood film studio that produced hits like The Hunger Games and the John Wick movies, they also announced a mask mandate for its Santa Monica employees. Unlike the private Atlanta College, Lionsgate's mandate has no stated expiration, but is simply active until further notice. In April, Biden announced it was funneling $5 billion into developing more COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. The announcement never mentioned mask or social distancing and focused on only vaccines. Just $5 billion. $5 billion. Nonetheless, just the fact that the HHS was focusing on COVID-19 have caused some to fear renewed lockdowns and mandates could be on the horizon. They're coming back for round two, said popular conservative figure Ian Miles Chong on X, accompanied by a clip of Dr. Fauci recently defending pandemic lockdowns as absolutely justified, despite studies suggesting otherwise. I keep hearing witnesses of COVID restrictions coming back. That's Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, who vowed to not comply with them. Carrie Lake also tweeted about the rumors, calling it the COVID-19 election variant. So what do the real researchers say? Researchers writing for the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The peer-reviewed journal of the National Academy of Science found no evidence in 2021 to suggest that the shelter-in-place orders yielded any substantial reductions in COVID-19 cases or deaths. A John Hopkins University study conducted last year also deemed lockdowns ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. Other critics of the lockdown pointed to several emotional and substance abuse problems caused by the previous protocols. The popular Instapundent blog cited a SciTech Daily headline noting a surge in severe alcohol-related liver injury during COVID pandemic. The previous cited measures come amid increased COVID-19 cases, mostly from a variant named EG5. Another variant, BA2.86, has also been detected in the U.S., but with minimal cases so far. According to the Washington Times, weekly hospitalizations and deaths from the virus are exorbitantly low compared to the peak of the pandemic. Moreover, it's important to note that the number of COVID-19 causes and deaths is considered by many to be overblown. 
CDC data from 2020 clarified that COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned for just 6% of deaths at the time. You got that CDC data clarified that COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. In other words, official cause of death on a death certificate, only 6% of the deaths at that time that were reported, only 6% of them, the official cause of death was COVID-19. The other 94% of mortalities had other health conditions and contributing causes. Like former gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, others are speculating this comeback of pandemic-era restrictions. It's intentionally timed with the 2024 election. We got to get those mail-in ballots back out there. We got to be able to harvest them and stuff ballot boxes. How do we do that? We make everybody stay at home. They can't go to work, can't go to school, but they can mail in a ballot. Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk, he wrote on the platform that the moves are just in time for Democrats to reinforce the importance of those mass mail-in ballots and also urged Americans, all Americans, not to comply. It does not surprise me. We're headed back down the rabbit trail, the COVID-19 rabbit trail. Oh, don't you know Dr. Anthony Fauci, though he's officially retired, he will be on every television network, broadcast style or cable style. We'll see his mug every few days. You know why? He told you. I'm the science, he said. I'm the science. I'm the guy that knows everything. And besides that, they all made billions of dollars. Yeah, that's what it's all about anyway, money, right? Now, yeah, this is a big day. Trump is going to surrender down in Georgia over this election case. He's got to surrender to authorities at the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. He'll be released on bond after he submits himself to their intake procedure, including having his mugshot taken for a, a mug line, first ever taken of a former commander-in-chief. He's got till noon tomorrow, actually, to have himself booked to avoid arrest after Fulton County DA Fannie Willis charged him and 18 associates with dozens of crimes, including RICO. That indictment argues that a strategy devised by several of the lawyers advising Trump to arrange alternative slates of electors in several states and thus delay the counting of the electoral votes amounted to a criminal enterprise. Criminal enterprise, just so you know. That's a, uh, a have-to-be-proven deal to support that racketeering conspiracy charge that they put out there. And experts say it's not going to fly. In fact, experts say none of this stuff in Georgia is going to fly. Now, there are people that disagree with me. I get that. Opinions are just that, opinions. But facts, when you throw those in with opinions in this case, it just confirms it's a witch hunt. 
another witch hunt. So you do understand Joe Biden's on vacation. I know that may surprise you. I thought he was busy. I thought he flew out to take care of things in Maui and Hawaii. Oh my gosh, he's on vacation. I thought he was still in Hawaii helping those people out there. He was there for less than two hours. He flew there from Lake Tahoe, staying at a multimillionaire's home in Lake Tahoe. He's he's just he's just gotta take time off for himself. I mean, after all, he can't work 24-7. We gotta give him some time off, which he, by the way, has taken now half of his time as president. He's been on vacation literally. No president in U.S. history has ever missed as many days in active duty in the White House, even close to those that Biden has done. And he's just getting mocked by all kinds of social media folks. He was attacked by some social media users. They mocked him for his claim that he had been working out instead of learning about a plane crash in Russia yesterday. You probably heard about it. Prigozhin, the founder of the Russian's Wagner Group, who challenged the rule of Vladimir Putin just months ago, he died in a plane crash that left 10 other people dead outside of Moscow yesterday. And reporters caught up with Biden in Lake Tahoe to get his comments about it. After all, it's an international occurrence. Biden said, I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. There's not much that happens in Russia with Putin not behind, but I don't know enough to know the answer. I've been working out for the last hour and a half, Biden said. (laughs) He worked out for the last hour and a half. I wonder what he defines workout as. His lack of knowledge as well as his assertion that he'd been working out for a long period of time was ridiculed by Twitter users who attacked the president for his extended and ongoing vacation. He's too busy on vacay to be attentive to major world events. Working out means lifting ice cream to his mouth repeatedly. That came from conservative commentator Robbie Starbuck. (laughs) Trump's super PAC spokesperson Caroline Levitt tweeted, It's midday on a Wednesday. The country's going to hell. Joe Biden is working out and sipping a smoothie. (laughs) I love some of these people are really creative. Working out? Yeah, okay, big guy. GOP Rapid Response Director Jake Snyder joked. The Never Back Down Pack Communications Director Matt Woking quoted from an Anchorman scene where the main character is trying to impress a woman with bicep curls writing, oh, it's the deep burn. Oh, it's so deep. Oh, I can barely lift my right arm because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting. I did over a thousand. (laughs) Folks, you're merciless. You seem to doubt President Biden has been working out for the last hour and a half. He's on vacation. Ha ha. That's Today News Africa White House correspondent Simon Atiba. The poor Secret Service. It's like watching a toddler outdoors, Brian Doherty said. (laughs) 
Biden could every once in a while get credit for a, you know, a good dropping bit of information into a conversation. If and he probably would have got some credit for the question about the uh, plane crash <laughs> and that that uh, I guess conspirator, the guy that uh, ran the Wagner Group. He had to throw in, oh, I couldn't pay attention because I've been working out for the last hour and a half. And he stood there with a, an ice cream cone in his hand. <laughs> well, Circleback's back in the news. Jen Psaki. Boy, she gets in our news, gets in our vision pretty regularly now, even though she's over at MSNBC, and it's because she says all kinds of stuff. She's trying to make herself relevant in every conversation about everything. She always acted like she was endowed with the ability to know more than anyone else in the room with her at any time, whatever room she was in. Well, she's getting ripped today as our leaders spoke about topics like abortion at the first GOP debate last night, Jen Psaki sparked outrage by claiming no one supports abortion through birth, her words. No one supports abortion through birth. She's wrong. I believe in a culture of life. I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill. I remember one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. That was Ron DeSantis. What the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. Nikki Haley. She also urged the media to ask President Biden and VP Harris if they support any limits on abortion. Are they for 38 weeks? Are they for 39 weeks? Are they for 40 weeks? Saki wrote on Twitter, formerly known as Today It's X, before it was Twitter. She responded to pro-life Republican candidates claiming no one supports abortion up until birth. And she's wrong sparked a tidal wave of condemnation on social media. Town Hall web editor Rebecca Downs replied, Are you kidding me? You work for the man who does. Another Town Hall staff member, John Hassan, wrote, 46 Democrat senators voted for it on February 28, 2022. Untrue, conservative commentator Kimberly Moran wrote, Many Democrats do, and you scream if anyone in the U.S. wants to ban late-term abortion and get with the rest of the civilized world about abortion limits. The Spectator contributing editor Stephen L. Miller wrote, This is fault. Every single Democrat but one voted for a bill that would allow abortion anytime for any reason up until the moment of birth. See, Democrats, they don't care. Doesn't bother them to lie, repeat things over and over and over again. If two days lapse between there being an issue about something huge like abortion, 
all the different things going along with abortion. If a couple of days lapse, that gives them license to just go back and lie about it. I mean, you know, facts don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. If we say it, that means it's real. We're the ones that are endowed to be able to know everything, be able to say anything and everything, give our own opinions as facts. After all, we have perfected that process. We've demanded it of everybody in our circles and have for decades. Everybody knows that Democrats are never wrong. And if they say anything or maintain anything that differs with any way you feel about it, well, if you want to be right, you just have to change your opinion. You got to agree with them every time. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. So guess what's going on this morning? Joe Biden is back. Yeah, he is uh, actually, I think he's probably the one that is actually tweeting on his account about these things. And it's about the debate last night. He lied in social media posts about the questions posed to Republican presidential candidates, creating a false set of questions. And he actually created a fake video. So here's what his questions were. These, according to him, these were actual questions that were asked of these candidates. His questions were this. Raise your hand if you'll ban abortion. The second, raise your hand if you'll cut Social Security. The third one, aise your hand, A-I-S-E. That's why I think it's him that actually wrote it. Raise your hand if you're a climate denier. And raise your hand if you're going to support Trump. The video shows, this fake video, shows these questions as captions below a video loop of Republican candidates raising their hands to answer an actual question posed at the debate. Namely, which of the contenders would support Trump if he won the party's nomination after being convicted in a court of law? Trump faces two state, two federal criminal indictments, but you all know that. Ironically, Governor Chris Christie 
is included among the Republicans supposedly raising their hands, though he made clear in the debate he was raising a finger in objection, not raising his hand in any kind of support. Biden's post appeared on Twitter and also on Instagram. The Biden White House pushed tech companies to police misinformation or disinformation, an effort that is now the subject of a federal First Amendment lawsuit. And of course, if that was the case, Joe Biden's stuff that he posted last night and this morning, they wouldn't be seen publicly, would they? Because they're not true. They're not true. I was looking through the questions during the break that were asked last night by Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Not a single question was asked any of the candidates about any concerns or thoughts on election integrity. That's interesting, isn't it? A recent poll conducted by the Honest Elections Project from July 13th to 16th, it showed that the vast majority of U.S. voters support election integrity initiatives like voter ID requirements, limiting mail-in voting, according to a report last month by The Federalist. The poll found 88% back voter ID rules, 88%, including black people, 82%. Hispanic voters, 83%. It also found three-quarters of voters think in-person voting is better than mailed-in ballots and overwhelming opposition to non-citizens and or minors voting in U.S. elections. Yet despite all this, debate moderators Brett Baer and Martha McCallum asked not a single question on election integrity. Human Events Senior Editor Jack Posebiek posted zero questions on election integrity, zero questions on ballot operations. The questions sucked. But in contrast, former President Trump posted on Truth Social before the debate, this is a quote, nobody has ever fought for election integrity like President Donald Trump. For doing so, I will proudly be arrested tomorrow afternoon in Georgia. God bless the United States of America. Trump's going to surrender himself, as we told you, to those authorities in Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia. Conservatives slam the debate for being out of touch with the Republican Party's base. Former U.S. Senate candidate for Pennsylvania, Sean Parnell, posted on Twitter, for the most part, this debate was not in any way representative of where the base of the Republican Party is. Most of these candidates missed the moment. It's not difficult to see why Trump is by far and away the front runner. That's interesting, isn't it? We don't hear a lot of that, a lot of this stuff from these people about this stuff. And we should. We, the people, should be demanding, demanding. News came out this morning that Vivek Ramaswamy ripped one of his debate one-liners straight out of a Barack Obama speech. Ramaswamy stole one of his opening lines at the debate 
from former President Barack Obama. He introduced himself as a skinny guy with a funny last name. After receiving his first question from moderator Brett Baer, the phrase echoed Obama's own choice of words when he introduced himself to the country. Remember it? He delivered the keynote address at the Democrat National Convention in 2004. Nobody had ever heard of him until that speech. So first, let me just address a question that's on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? And what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? That's Ramaswamy from last night. I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I've gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies, he continued. In 04, Obama referred to himself as a skinny kid with a funny name, a joke that was met with laughter and applause from the audience. At the time, Obama was a candidate for the U.S. Senate in Illinois, but the speech would launch his political career, and he ended up, of course, serving two terms in the White House. Only one candidate called out Ramaswamy for stealing words from Obama, and that was former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, though he slightly misattributed the line. No, hold on, hold on, enough, Christie said later in the debate. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like chat GPT. He stands up here, and the last person in one of these debates, Brad, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here? Was Barack Obama, he stated. By the way, Obama never in fact made the statement on a debate stage just at the 2004 Democrat Party convention. Sometimes, you know, facts matter. And sometimes we the people have got to go find the facts. (laughs) Well, more news and information is coming in about that plane uh, crash yesterday that killed Progrosian. The manufacturer of the plane, Embraer SA, says it wasn't providing service, support to jet due to sanctions. Now let's dive into this a little bit. The maker of the plane, I'm reading through here, I want to make sure I get it right. The maker said it has not provided support services for that jet since 2019. And the reason they haven't is because of international sanctions. It's a Brazilian-made plane. Embraer SA, the company, told Reuters it's aware of a plane crash in Russia involving a Legacy 600 model, which Russian state media says killed the mercenary warlord who recently challenged the rule of President Vladimir Putin. Embraer has complied with international sanctions imposed on Russia, a spokesperson for the company added. The news agency reports that the plane, which was manufactured back in 07, was placed under U.S. Treasury Department sanctions in 2019 when it was listed under a prior registration. The U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control took action against Russian actors that attempted to influence the 2018 midterm elections, our 2018 midterms. 
though there was no indication that foreign actors were able to compromise election infrastructure that would have prevented voting, change, vote counts, etc. Prior to Wednesday's crash in the Tver region of Russia, the Legacy 600 only recorded one accident in its more than 20 years of service. Around 300 of the aircraft were made before production was stopped in 2020, citing International Aviation HQ. That one prior crash in 2006, when a Legacy 600 crashed into a Boeing 737 while traveling from an Embraer factory in Brazil to the U.S., killing all 154 passengers on board the latter aircraft. The business jet was traveling from the Moscow to St. Petersburg when it crashed Wednesday, according to the Russian news agency TASS. Prigozhin was listed among the passengers. An investigation into the crash of the Embraer aircraft has been launched. This is according to the Federal Air Transport Agency, FAA. There are a lot of people believe that this crash yesterday and the death of Prigozhin had something to do with his spat, if you could call it a spat, with Russian President Vladimir Putin. And most of the time, just saying, most of the time, if you get in the spat with uh, Vladimir Putin, you are going to end up on the short end of whatever it is. Did you hear about what happened to Donald Trump last night, the Milwaukee debate? No, I'm not talking about the former president. I'm talking about Junior. Fox News ordered security to block former President Donald Trump's eldest son, Don Jr., and his wife, Kimberly Guilfoyle, from the primary post-debate spin room after the debate. There's video out. You can look at Find it yourself. I just did. It's at uh, dailycaller.com. Video shows Trump Jr. speaking to reporters, claiming that he and Guilfoyle were initially told they could go into the post-debate spin room before backtracking. He said a security guard on the scene was instructed by Fox News not to let them in. Fox News is trying to censor and silence Trump's supporters to protect their hand-picked establishment candidates. Trump Jr. tweeted, that's a big reason why their ratings are dying while my father's interview with Tucker Carlson is already over a million views. He added that was proof that the debate would have been a setup for his father had he shown up to the debate. This is no different from what we see from Democrats. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of wild stuff, some allegations there. And if any part of that is true, there are a lot of people. Let me just say this. If you look at the ratings, the weekly ratings so far, since Tucker Carlson was fired and left Fox News, look at the ratings post-Tucker Carlson across the board, especially in their nighttime shows, Fox News has lost millions of viewers. I still can't understand for the life of me who made that decision at Fox News to go that route. 
and what basis was it made on? It almost sounds like Bud Light's debacle by Anheuser-Busch. It was that, I'm sure, was kind of a at-the-moment reaction to something that Anheuser-Busch thought that they could do and it was good for the nation and they were going to be able to tap into that new era of Bud Light drinkers, the transgender people, yada, yada, yada. Somebody got in the heads of those big bosses in Anheuser-Busch that made that choice and decision. And it's only cost them a billion dollars or two or three. Same thing is happening at Fox News, I'm afraid. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649 Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. Nope, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. During the break, got a quick update, news update. Apparently, that crash of that plane that killed Rogozian, the the guy of uh, the Wagner, heads the Wagner group, was a bitter enemy of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Apparently, it was a hit job, and it wasn't, that plane wasn't shot out of the air. 
there was a bomb planted on board that blew up and killed everybody on board. Aren't you glad you live in a free nation, in a free part of the world, so stuff like that doesn't happen? I'm sure it happens on a onesie-twosie basis, maybe not airplanes, but you know, in cars and stuff like that. But I wouldn't want to live in an atmosphere when I had to contemplate every time I left the house, something like that might happen to me. Meanwhile, back at home, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is still blocking unanimous Senate confirmation of about 300 generals that have been promoted by President Biden is warranted giving their woke backgrounds. That's what one big conservative group is saying. 300 generals aren't getting promoted. The groups, including the American Accountability Foundation and Citizens for Renewing America, are looking at the officers' backgrounds and highlighting statements they have made touting their support for embedding critical race theory and DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, from top to bottom in our military. Military officers are fully bought into massive policy and culture changes without understanding the ideological impacts and the agendas at play because they're labeled with nice-sounding, politically correct terms. Or they know full well what is going on. Either way, they are not fit for command. That's from Wade Miller, who's executive director of the American Accountability Foundation and a Marine veteran. One of the generals whose promotion is waiting Senate confirmation is Air Force Colonel Benjamin Johnson, who's the vice superintendent of the Air Force Academy and who Biden has nominated for promotion to Brigadier General. In 2020, he published an article in the Air Force Times. It's titled, Dear White Colonel, We Must Address Our Blind Spots About Race. In the article, he argues this, and I'm going to quote it. As white colonels, you and I are the biggest barriers to change if we do not personally address racial injustice in our Air Force. Defensiveness is a predictable response by white people to any discussion of racial injustice. White colonels are no exception. We are largely blind to institutional racism, and we take offense to any suggestion that our system advantaged us at the expense of others. Under Johnson's leadership, the Air Force Academy has told cadets not to use words implying gender, including mom and dad. Another general whose promotion is waiting Senate confirmation is Air Force Brigadier General Scott Kane, who recently assumed command of the Air Force Research Laboratory. After George Floyd's death, he sent a unity message to commanders at Eglin Air Force Base, that's down in Florida, calling on them to discuss building a culture of inclusiveness to be a stronger force. He also called the creation of a DEI office at the base his most longstanding and significant accomplishment. Navy Rear Admiral Shoshana Chatfield, who is nominated for promotion to Vice Admiral for assignment at U.S. Military Representative to the NATO Military Committee in Brussels, gave a speech in 2015 where she called Congress unequal 
because about 80% of the legislators are men, which she said means that mostly issues that are important to men go forward to become bills and laws. Air Force Colonel Corey Simmons, who was nominated for promotion to Brigadier General, oversaw the creation of a DEI, Diversity and Inclusion Task Force, at Vance Air Force Base, which paired students from marginalized groups together since everyone should be able to look across the table and see somebody that looks like them. I got to say it. This is the definition of insanity. I never thought Tommy Tuberville, senator now, he was longtime head coach at Auburn, football coach at Auburn. I couldn't stand him at Auburn because I'm an LSU fan. But all that being said, Coach Tuberville, I think you hit the nail on the head on this one. Keep going. Hey, thanks for being here today. We enjoyed doing this. And we'll end the week together doing the same thing again. See you in the morning at 9 a.m. Central, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Have a great day.